It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. President Biden is expected to visit Wisconsin this week to discuss agriculture and the U.S. economy. Wisconsin Senator Republican Ron Johnson hopes the president will listen to Wisconsin employees amid an ongoing labor shortage. Meanwhile, on Saturday evening, former President Donald Trump returned to the campaign trail for the first time since leaving the White House in January. At his rally in Ohio, President Trump showed support for Republican congressional candidate Max Miller, in an attempt to oust Representative Anthony Gonzalez, a Republican. Gonzalez was one of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach President Trump in January. For this and more, we'll bring in our all-star panel this week, political editor at the National Journal, Josh Kraschauer, former South Carolina Congressman Trey Gowdy, and founding executive director of Georgetown University's Institute of Politics and Public Service, Mo Alethi. Okay, Josh. Uh, first, let's start with with Biden. Uh, it's been an interesting couple of days for the president as they've talked about this bipartisan deal uh, and tying it or not tying it to the next big deal uh, that they would hope to pass. Democrats would in reconciliation. And it seemed like the White House wasn't sure about their messaging on this or at least had to take another bite at the apple at it. Yeah, I mean, to make, to make a football comparison, Biden was at the five-yard line and, and celebrating with both Republican and Democratic senators who negotiated this, this infrastructure compromise, $1.2 trillion in, in, in spending, and then fumbled the ball in his own end zone by hours later saying that it would he would veto his own legislation if there wasn't a complimentary additional trillion Six, $6 trillion, I guess, maybe a little less when it came down to it in, in, in actual social welfare spending, a, a bill that, that Bernie Sanders w- was championing um, in, the, in the Senate. So uh, it, it's a little, little, little uh, bit of a self-inflicted wound, to put it mildly, for, for the White House. This is what Biden campaigned on, the, the ability from his deal-making time in the Senate to, to actually get Republicans to work with Democrats on a big proposal. Uh, he had 10 uh, or 11 Republican senators that had at least said they were very strongly leaning towards supporting the, this compromise. And then you have some mixed messages in the last couple days, both Biden putting out a statement saying he did not mean, mean to intend that he was going to veto the, this legislation. But then one of his top advisors in Cedric Richmond coming on Fox and I think CNN uh, and, and almost saying the opposite, saying that, that you know he, he would not commit to signing his own legislation, even if there was no additional social welfare add-on as part of the process. So, um, you know, 
Biden, Biden needs to uh, kind of, for his own political uh, future, try, try to show that he can get things done and work with Republicans. He had that opportunity, and it seems like it's as, it's as unclear as ever whether he can get this infrastructure deal passed. Now. So, Mo, what is this about? Is this about not stepping on progressive toes, uh, this mixed messaging? Is this about, I mean, I don't fully get it. Yeah, look, I, I, progressives want more. There's no question about that. And they want uh, the American Families Plan. Uh, and and a lot of them, a lot of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party would like to see those connected. Uh, but I think what the president, particularly with his Saturday cleanup statement, and let's be clear, anytime, anytime you've got to clean up a statement, it means the first thing didn't go as well as you'd like. So you know, we can acknowledge that. But, uh, you know, with the Saturday statement, I think what he was saying was, look, I'm going to I'm going to shoot for both. I'm going to push this bipartisan infrastructure bill that, yeah, a lot of progressives wish there was more in it. But this is a good deal. This is a deal that's going to help people. And it delivers on my promise of bipartisanship. So I'm going to go sell that. And if it comes to me, I will sign it. At the same time, I'm going to on a separate track. And I think that's the key. It's on a separate track. I'm going to fight for this other thing, this bigger thing. Republicans, you can be with me on infrastructure and against me on this if you want. We can have that fight separately, but let's not let's not spite ourselves by uh, rejecting this infrastructure plan. It's a good place for him to be in, uh, uh, particularly after he cleaned it up. Uh, and one that I think you're going to hear him talk about. This is the real reason he's going to Wisconsin is to begin to show how hard he's going to fight to pass this, this bipartisan infrastructure plan. Trey, I guess, I, I mean, I understand what the statement said, and I, I think it was at least clear, but Cedric Richmond going out on Sunday made it murky again. Well, uh, it, it, let me confess, uh, Cedric was a friend and we worked together when he was in the House. They're in a very difficult political Position. I mean, this infrastructure bill, Brett, I'm sure progressives are wondering, why did we vote for Biden? This is the exact same infrastructure bill we would have gotten from President Trump. Roads and bridges and airports and ports. I mean, we don't know. We don't need Joe Biden for that. What we need him for is the other half of it. And Biden's response is, "Okay, we're in a 50 50 Senate. I'm not sure if you all have heard of Joe Manchin, but he actually represents a state where I didn't win a single solitary county. Not one in West Virginia did I win. I didn't even get 30% of the vote. So setting realistic expectations, I, I, my advice to Cedric and the president is take the win, if it is one, on the traditional infrastructure uh, and then deal with your progressives. But look, I mean, Bernie Sanders has run for president, what, twice and almost ran against Barack Obama in a primary, and he's over two and a half. I'm not sure that's who I would be letting set the expectations if I were President Biden. Okay, so in the meantime, you have uh, the former president, Josh, uh, out on the trail, and uh, it's clearly he's positioning, I don't know what you want to call this, the vendetta campaign or what, but the people who voted against him or voted to impeach him um, in in the House, he seems like he's going to be energized to try to defeat Anthony Gonzalez being one of those. But in this campaign uh, rally, he again said that he won. Um, let's be clear. Donald Trump did not win. He lost the election 
And uh, even if you have audits of a, a couple of these states, there are not four states that are going to go the other way. And uh, after all of these legal cases, dozens and dozens of them across the country, uh, he lost, but yet he's still saying he won. And Josh, for Republicans, that is a big problem. Yeah, uh, it's a vengeance tour, as you noted, Brett. For all the talk about voter suppression, the biggest voters, voter suppressor uh, in politics these days is Donald Trump. I mean, he's threatening to suppress his voters and in, 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 in for Republican voters in the Republican uh, in the midterm elections next year. It, he's dwelling on the past. He didn't really have much to say in that two-hour rally about what Republicans are talking about on Capitol Hill. They're not talking much about the infrastructure bill. He's not even talking about sort of the culture war fights that have become uh, very, very much the new arguments that Republicans are, are making across the country. He's dwelling on his own defeat uh, and, and, he, and attacking Bill Barr, by the way, uh, putting out a really uh, convoluted statement, uh, throwing his own former attorney general under the bus and, and rolling it over a couple times. So this is not helpful for the Republican Party, to put it mildly. Um, he may succeed. In, in, in defeating a congressman or two or three uh, as part of this mission. But you actually look at the polls a little more closely and more and more Republicans in, in poll after poll show they're more loyal to the party and, and, and the institution of the Republican Party than they are to, to Donald Trump as an individual. There's no doubt he still holds a, a significant share of Republican voters, but there are going to be a lot of primary tests starting in Ohio, um, but, but a lot of others in North Carolina, Wyoming, that are going to be real tests of, of, of Trump's power post-presidency. And he may win a few, but I, I think his days of winning every single primary and, and fully controlling uh, what the Republican Party is going to be talking about, they, they may be slowly coming to an end. Yeah, and we should note that uh, the former Attorney General Bill Barr telling uh, Jonathan Carl at ABC that that the election talk uh, is, in his words, uh, BS and other uh, colorful language. Mo, um, Democrats have to be loving this right they have to love this moment because it helps as you look towards 2022 to paint the donald trump picture it certainly doesn't help the republicans i mean look i don't think anyone really truly loves this moment because the more he does this the more he undermines um uh people's faith in the electoral uh, process, the more divided and polarized we get, and the worse it is for our democracy. So I don't think anyone's like loving this. But having said that, you know, this is, and, and Trey, as the only person on this panel who's ever had his name on a ballot, I think would probably agree with this. Elections are about the future. They are rarely about the past. And so the contrast is becoming increasingly clear. You've got Biden, who is talking about infrastructure, and he's talking about you know, maybe prog too progressive for some people, but he's at least talking about issues that are going to, that he's going to make the case are going to help American families. He's doing that every day moving forward. Republicans are allowing Trump to be their, their lead spokesperson right now. And he's talking about the past. He's on this grievance tour. He's talking about how he lost uh, the election and it was, or how he won the election. And it was robbed from him. We did some recent polling out of our Institute asking people, uh, what they thought that one of the biggest problems was in our country, polarization was at the top of that list. And when we dug a little deeper, we found politicians who refuse to accept the results of an election is a huge problem amongst Democrats and Republicans. 
to Josh's earlier point. So I don't think this is helpful to the Republicans. It's bad for the country. It's really bad for the Republican Party. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen, there's a lot of people, Trey, that look back at the policies of the Trump administration and say, we sign on to a lot of those policies. That's not what he's talking about on these at least this first one in Ohio, this campaign stop, um, it's kind of like the old hits. And among them is I won the election. Um, that has to be for Republicans, something they want collectively to move on from, right? Uh, well, I mean, it depends. I mean, I, what I like to ask Republicans is what part of President Biden's agenda concerns you the most? And then if we had picked up just a single single one of the Georgia Senate races while we were off talking about everything else in the world in January, other than control of the Senate, what would President Biden be able to do if we had just picked up one of them? So if Republicans are really wondering, hey, what is the consequence of us continuing to relitigate the 2020 election? Uh, Look to Georgia. Uh, Joe Biden, we wouldn't be talking about social or family infrastructure if we had just won one of the Georgia Senate races. So, uh, look, I it, it's partly it is paying back Gonzalez and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and the others. It's also uh, trying to test the waters for 2024. And you know what? I mean, Ron DeSantis may want to sleep with one eye open. He made the mistake of winning a straw poll. <laughs> right. Josh, I mean, that is what it's setting up for, right? I mean, 2022 is one step in this, but what happens in 2024 is going to be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, does does Donald Trump run again? I don't think you can rule that out. I think, if, in fact, I, if I had to bet right now, I think he's more likely to run uh, than not, which would be disappointing to uh, the many, many Republicans already thinking about their, their future political ambitions. Most I will say not. this. I talked to one actually Trump ally um, who about this question. And they said, you can lose one you know, air quotes stolen election, but you can't lose two. And um, they look at the polling and how things have shifted. And, and they wonder if that will factor in as other things will factor into that decision. And the big question is, you know, are these Republicans who have national ambitions, are they preparing for what a primary would look like if they had to face former President Trump? Or are they all but as Nikki Haley and I think a few others have said that they're not going to run at all if, if, if Trump decides to make a political comeback? I, I mean, I think an ambitious Republican, uh, DeSantis certainly qualifies, would, would look at both avenues. I, I think DeSantis has certainly gotten a strong following from not just the, the Trump loyalists, but but from people who weren't fans, as you noted, Brett, of, of Trump's tweeting and his his behavior vis-a-vis election, his election denialism, but like a, kind of this blunt spoken direct approach and like his conservatism uh, and how he's governed a big state like Florida. So, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of political upside. There are a lot of Republicans waiting on the bench. DeSantis is one of the, the biggest names, but uh, there is a, a future for the Republican Party if they choose to take it and look past the past. Just a couple more things. Mo, are Democrats kind of looking at a change in the House in 2022 as, as more likely and, and, and an effort to hold on to the Senate 
uh, a better position, obviously, heading into 2022? Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that um, I, I think any Democratic operative should be nervous, right? The, the history would tell them that they ought to be nervous. The And, and when you look at, you know, uh, Biden's job approval numbers are solid. They're not sky high. The right track, wrong track, uh, uh, what, what direction is the country headed in numbers in most polling? It's better than it was a year ago, right? It's on the right trajectory, but it's still upside down. So there's lots of factors that should make them nervous. Having said that, there's a lot of room for optimism within the Democratic Party right now, electorally, that we might be able to buck uh, that, demo- that, that um, historical trend. Um, And and a lot of it has to do with some of the things we're talking about. Trump's hold on the party and the the Republican sort of messaging ecosystem still focused on the last election is hurting them. The fact that on bread and butter economic issues, Republicans usually hold a strong lead uh, over Democrats. Right now, the two parties are about tied. Republicans have a very narrow lead, whereas Democrats have a huge lead on a lot of other issues that are important to voters, like education, like healthcare, like uh, uh, unifying the country and dealing with racial divisions. Um, So Democrats are heading into this in a pretty good place. And if Biden can get this infrastructure plan passed, uh, on top of the COVID relief bill that he got passed, even though it was straight party line, he can start to, Democrats can start to point to a record of results. And I think that's what people are really looking for right now. Which brings less full less ideology and more results. Yeah. Full circle to the beginning of our conversation. Last thing, Trey, and that is for moderate Democrats who are concerned about seeing prices go up. And even though many in the party, in the Democratic Party say it's transitional and that that, that the inflation won't last long, there are others who think This is a real concern. Now, they're looking at six trillion dollars saying, do we is this the right move Um, with all those factors that they're saying we're going to buck the trends? It would seem like they would be ready to do the deal uh, to to at least set that as Mo was talking about. Yeah, I I wonder. I don't know Joe Manchin well. I did serve with Kirsten Sinema. I I wonder, you know, when I think of senators like Tim Scott and others, I I wonder if Joe and Kirsten might not have more in common with a Tim Scott kind of Republican than they do uh, the far left progressive wing of their party. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see whether or not the progressive wing of the Democrat Party does to Joe Biden. uh, what the Freedom Caucus did to Boehner and Ryan, um, which is kind of ensure uh, the demise of the leadership. It will indeed. All right, panel, thanks so much. Uh, here's a bit of presidential trivia. On July 2nd, 1776, the Second Continental Congress declared its independence from Great Britain. A day later, on July 3rd, founding father, future president John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail, quote, the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. I'm apt to believe that we'll be celebrating by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival with illuminations from one, one end of the continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. Well, he obviously was right about the illuminations. He was wrong about the date, as Americans will celebrate the 245th birthday on July 4th. As for the fireworks, Americans are expected to set off nearly 300 million pounds of fireworks 
this holiday weekend. Be safe out there. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Josh and Trey and Mo, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.